welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram's also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 128, and this is going to be a great one because there's a lot of things that need fixing in the NBA. We're going to try to fix them the best we can. Obviously, some other big news in the football world. We'll get to quarterbacks, coaches leaving. And baseball, just around the corner, and, you know, there's some stingy owners that aren't going to be wanting to trade their players. We're going to be talking about a couple of those, too. I'm excited for this one, Kyle. Yeah, it, it kind of this episode kind of emerged as a fun episode out of nowhere because there wasn't really much this past week for us to talk about, yeah. and there really isn't going to be much these next two weeks for us to talk about with free agency not being here yet with the NFL. The draft, obviously, as well, not too. Well, baseball classic still a couple weeks away, and then the season after that, of course. Uh, NBA had its All-Star Game weekend, but we know how that's kind of a bit lame now. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're just kind of getting started back up on the second half of the season. But let's go ahead and get into the opener, I guess. And I'll talk a little bit about this basketball game that I went and actually saw live at UCLA on Saturday night. Yes, sir. Uh, where UCLA beat up Cal pretty badly, 78-43. to uh, I knew this game was going to be a rough one going in because Cal has only won three games this entire year, and UCLA is the fourth best team in the nation, and it was a 26-point spread. So right away, you could tell that this was going to be a, a tough game for Cal. And even in the first few minutes, UCLA was full-court pressing. They could, Cal couldn't even get the ball past half-court for a couple times, and they're passing the ball out of bounds to nobody and, you know, getting ruthlessly just kind of thrown at by fans. Getting high-meed. Yeah. Uh, and the UCLA team is is one of the few teams within college basketball that isn't made up of those, you know, one and done guys, super top high tier prospects uh, with Jaime Jaquez, who's a big guy, Tiger Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amari Bailey is there now as well, too. I'm not sure. See, he is a freshman, but he's a pretty highly thought of recruit. Yes. Uh, but I want to talk about Aiden Bona, bro. This dude is ridiculous. So let me take you back a couple years watching March Madness uh, with Paul and Brett and all those guys. We went and watched Oregon play. And there's this guy on Oregon named Kenny Wooten, who is this shot blocker, lob threat dude that was just super fun and exciting to watch. I think he had like eight blocks, like 20 points in the game that we watched. And I saw a lot of that in Aiden Bona on Saturday. He was just this uber athletic dude. Uh, who was the stud around the rim. He had three blocks. He only had six points and four rebounds in 23 minutes. But the game doesn't re- didn't really like play towards him because UCLA yeah. was just so much better than him anyways. But this dude was ridiculous on how good he was. And I was looking him up. I was seeing who he was because people that I went with, I mean, they're basketball fans, but they don't know and see recruits the same way that, that me and Skyler would, of course. And this dude is like a five-star athlete. He's the number 18th ranked dude in the country as far as his class goes. He's going to be in the NBA one day. And I didn't have to take a look at his rankings before to see that he was. You could just see that this dude had NBA talent. Let me tell you a little bit about this dude. He is from Nigeria. He's 6'10", 235 as a freshman. And his balance is ridiculous. Little Christian Coloco. Yeah, so we'll see what this dude ends up being if he's in the draft this year, next year, whatever it is. Uh, But definitely going to be someone I want to keep my eyes on because he was very fun to watch. Uh, 
Well, good shit, Kyle. On Saturday. Tell me yeah. about the Rising Stars Challenge because I think All that right. also went on on Saturday night too. When I didn't yeah, watch. yeah. Uh, I originally wanted to talk about the dunk contest a little bit in my thoughts, but I figured I'd save it all for that segment specifically. So I want to talk about the Rising Stars. I love it, man. I mean, for I, I picked Pow, if you remember from last week, Pow's team, mm-hmm. and they won, so I was very hyped. But I love this format. It's a perfect structure, a, a little mini tournament. No one gets hurt, but they're still playing hard. And uh, I just love it, man. That's the best thing I saw. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. There isn't really a ton of good choices here, but I feel like we got to go with Mac. Yeah. Mac McClung's got to be won the guy. The kinda, yeah, you saved All-Star yeah. Weekend because everything else in it was pretty shit. Uh, so Mac McClung finally gets a nod for the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. <laughs> moving on to team reports. Kind of in a weird spot right here where we don't really know much. And, and you won't. know, the Raiders and Jets reports kind of <laughs> – they kind of dictate based off of one of each other right now because mm-hmm. it's either Derek Carr, or Aaron Rodgers, uh, for the Jets, it seems like. And if Derek Carr is a Jet, then that means Aaron Rodgers will 99% be a Raider if he if he doesn't retire. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't retire because Green Bay seems like they're done with them. Uh, but I know Derek Carr and the Jets had a pretty good meeting. I saw a nice uh, photo of him, Mr. Bob Sala, and Nathaniel Hackett mm-hmm. having lunch and. Derek Carr looked pretty damn happy. So that's good to see there. Uh, do you have anything else on that front or anything it's, else that you want to talk about with the Jets? It's pretty much just Derek Carr right now, man. You know, everyone's really excited, obviously, on Jets Twitter. And, uh, you know, certain guys who know a lot more than us that are in the building every day say that they believe it's gone from about 30% Derek Carr to over 60% now that they think it's going to be Derek Carr. And uh, I I believe we're still going to wait to see what Roger says. Just in case, um, but Derek Carr, I, I would not be upset with him, and that's another thing we're going to talk about more. Mm-hmm. So hold off right there. That's the Jet report. Nothing else crazy going on. Yeah, we're going to talk about how both those quarterbacks potentially fit in New York in the Jets uniform, maybe even a Giants uniform with the way how this Daniel Jones discussions <laughs> going and him possibly getting clown. like forty-five million dollars a year, switching agents, all that stuff uh, for the Raiders. I mean, nothing too crazy. It's just kind of waiting on Rodgers at this point uh, and seeing if he would like to come to Vegas. Uh, if not, then it's probably a Jimmy Garoppolo or draft quarterback type year. And if it comes down to the draft, I'm completely okay with that. I just hope he's having a good time in the dark, man. Yeah, yeah. He's just seeing – this is what he's seeing right now. <laughs> Kyle's covering his eyes. Nothing. <laughs> But he's thinking, I'll tell you that. And he's probably super high on some drug we've never even heard of before. Uh, let's get into the XFL yeah. report, perhaps. Uh-huh. I didn't get a chance to watch a ton of these games. And unfortunately, you can't really look at the box scores on ESPN. It doesn't. I did download the app. So I can tell you kind we'll of what happened. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, kind of what we saw in our, our takeaways to week mm-hmm. one before we get into Where's your head at? So first off, there's two games Saturday, two games Sunday, first of which was Arlington and Vegas going against each other. I'm not sure the team names quite yet. Uh, Actually, let me pull it up on here. It was the Arlington Renegades and the Vegas Vipers. Uh, And Arlington came away 122 to 20. Uh, Pretty sure how that game ended was Vegas scored a touchdown, tried to go for two, uh, and the dude that was playing quarterback got sacked. And it was, it was over from there. 
next up was Houston and Orlando. That's the Houston Roughnecks, same team as last time that PJ yeah. Walker played on. Uh, and then the Orlando Guardians. Houston, I guess, looked like the best team in the league. They won 33 to 12 in week one. So maybe something that we could see uh, in the future is probably being the best team in the XFL. St. Louis and San Antonio was the main game that I saw. And that was AJ McCarron coming back for the Battle Hawks down <laughs> three to 15 with a minute 25 to go. They score the touchdown, get a three point conversion, go for fourth and 15 instead of the onside kick, which you can do in the XFL. They get it, go down and score a touchdown. And the game was over. It's crazy. Uh, but the Battle Hawks go to. Want to know after beating the Brahmas, the San Antonio Brahmas. And uh, the last game I didn't watch at all it was the DC Defenders versus the Seattle Sea Dragons. I watched it. How was that game, Skyler? I know DC uh, won 22 to 18. Yeah, so the Sea Dragons, it was Ben DiNucci throwing to Josh Gordon pretty much the entire I game. See that, yeah. and, but Ben DiNucci had no time to throw, took a lot of sacks, and the DC defensive coordinator is Greg Williams. And they interviewed DC, him after DC. the game. He was hyped. He was hyped. There we go, uh, man. So yeah. yeah, I feel like he fits right in in the XFL personality. And so, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So that's going to be my favorite team for now. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to talk about some of these rules if you want to. Yeah, you no, know, it's pretty interesting as far as one point, two point, three point conversion goes. Yeah. It's all there's no extra point for a kick. Uh, if you want to get one point, you got to score from the two. If you want two points, you got to score from the five. And if you want three points, you can go for. Uh, a three-pointer from the 10. And then I think the other main thing is the kickoffs. Yes. Uh, as far as kickoffs go, they line up uh, on the receiving teams, 35 and 30, as far as receiving team and kickoff team goes. And the kicker kicks way back from the original spot that like a normal NFL kicker would. Uh, and it produces more returns and it also allows less injuries because these dudes that are only five yards apart, obviously don't get a full running start going into each other. So you're not seeing those crazy collisions that we see on kickoffs in the NFL. Uh, the only other thing that I think is different is when you are down or tied in the fourth quarter, you can go for uh, the onside kick. Or yeah. You can change the onside kick to the fourth and 15. And if you get it, it just continues your drive from there. I like it, man. Uh, well, I'll start with the, with the kickoff rule, I guess, like you said, they're only five yards apart that's going to be more block shedding than the collisions, like you said. And that's something I could definitely see getting tried in the NFL mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, the other stuff, the two point, the three point, the onside kick, I don't see it ever happening, but I'm, I'm for it. You know, I, I, I love offense, even though I, I love my defense too. I, I love giving them a shot. You know, the onside kick, it's not going to happen very often. Brett told me this today without a running start. It's all about luck. Who drops the ball? That's, that's who gets the onside kick. And mm-hmm. um, obviously the end, all the sports are in a transitional period right now. And, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely going to be watching some more of the XFL to see how this stuff works. And the USFL, too. We'll talk a little bit about halftime. They had their draft yeah. today. Uh, so moving on to, to week two for the XFL. Yeah. This is coming up this next week, of course. We have St. Louis and Seattle on Thursday night football. Nice. How about that? Nice. Thursday night football on February is something crazy. D.C. and Vegas on Saturday, and then San Antonio and Orlando, as well as Arlington and Houston, battle of two one and teams on Sunday night, I guess, at that point. 
Let's get into the trivia question I got for Skyler this week. Oh, boy. Uh, and this one is World Baseball Classic-related trivia. So, from the 2017 World Baseball Classic team that won it all, that USA team, yes, there have been 11 players to also win a World Series, whether that was before the World Baseball Classic or after. But from that Team USA team that won it all in 2017 – what were the 11 players that have won a World Series? Yeah. Let me put two minutes on the clock. I'll let yeah. you think before you put an answer down. Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's go. Three, two, one, go. Was Pedroia on that team? Pedroia was not on that team. John Lester? John Lester was not on that team. Um, trying to think of some, some Cardinals. They won it. Twice. Uh, there is no Cardinals. No Cardinals. Okay, moving on. Um, Nobody that won it with the Cardinals. I'll okay. That. Okay. Stan never won one. Yelich nope. never won one. Nope. Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman. He's was Canadian not on that team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts was not on that team. Wow. This is a good one. There's a lot of relievers. Uh, Andrew Miller. And Andrew Miller is does not have a ring, actually. Oh, man. But he was on the team. Uh, so you've got one, two, three, four left-handed pitchers. I'll give you a hint. Think about the, not pitchers-wise, but the Giants yeah. teams. Jeremy Affelt. No, not pitchers. Mad not bum. pitchers. Not pitchers. <laughs> not pitchers. Yeah. From oh, the, okay. Those okay. Uh, Joe Panic and Buster Posey. Buster Posey's one. Um. Brandon Belt. No. Longoria. Come no, come on. Think about this dude. He's here. He's here. He's here. Come on. Skyler, I'm ashamed right now. This is bad. Some, something related to, on the to our, our city. What relates to our city for the Giants? Brandon Crawford. There's one. <laughs> okay. Uh, 2022 champ. Third baseman. Bregman. Yep. Last answer. What do you got? My last answer is going to be Ian Kinsler. Ian Kinsler is one. There yes. we go. All right. So the other, so we got Buster Posey, Ian Kinsler, Alex Bregman, and Brandon Crawford. The other guys, I'm not going to blame you for missing all these because there are some tough ones. Yeah. Danny Duffy, Luke Gregerson, Jake McGee, who I guess played for the Giants too, so I guess that's part of it, but he didn't win with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Robertson, who won in 09 with the Yankees. Uh, Eric Hosmer, who won in 15 with the Royals. Uh, you got Kinsler, Bregman, Crawford, Posey. Uh, J.A. Happ, who won in 08 with the Phillies. And Drew Smiley, who won in 2021 with the Atlanta wow. Braves. Pretty good question, isn't it? It was. I came up with that all by myself, so I didn't get any inspiration from anything else. I just okay. said, fuck it. This is what I guess I need to touch back up on my uh, American left-handed relievers. 
Yeah, there's a lot of them in there. Oh, the OGs, man. Let's get into wow. where's your head at, though. Let's go. Come on. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the NBA and their problems that they have. Uh, the regular season has been a big issue for the past couple of years now with rest management. Uh, just players not playing as much. And I think Richard Jefferson said it really, really well a couple of weeks ago. I saw on TikTok or whatever it was, uh, a clip from ESPN or something. Uh, he was talking about how he always made it a point to play in games when he was in the NBA because you never know who's watching and you never know if it's a kid who's watching who's going to their first NBA game. And yeah. he explained that how he, when he was a kid, his dad would take him to games and it'd just be him. His dad would go wait outside the stadium or at a bar or whatever, watch the game on TV, uh, and, and Richard would be able to go in and watch NBA players. And he said that how much that meant to him as a kid in order for his development and success and getting into the NBA. So how do you think the NBA can combat the, these players resting or does it need to be a shorter season? What, what, what needs to happen? Well, Adam Silver wants a, a midseason tournament. And I, I just don't think that'll work. I think that's more of an all-star game thing. So I, I think he got a short in the season. I feel like most NBA superstars are like starting pitchers. You know, they're going to get their numbers. They're going to put up their points, but you're not going to see that crazy performance until, you know, the fifth night of the week, every five nights, just like a starting pitcher. So I think you got to shorten the season to get some more of those performances. Yeah, I, I think there's a few different options that you can do as far as making regular season games important. Uh, first off, it starts with possibly shortening the season. People say, talk about, oh, well, all the records will be untouchable. Yeah, who gives a fuck? The games are unwatchable now at this yeah. point. Uh, and the records aren't going to get broken because rarely anybody plays 82 games anyways now at this point, and that's what you kind of need to break these big-time records. Uh, when you look at some options for the playoffs, I think you have to eliminate the plan. Because when teams realize that you just need to be the top 10 out of 15 in order to get a shot at the NBA title. You just got to not tank pretty much. Yeah. And you, it makes these regular season games not important because you're going to make it regardless. You're going to be a top 10 seed for a lot of these good teams. And when you don't have that importance to push regular season games, these players aren't going to play. So how you combat that, there's a few things. You can either make the playoffs a super elite thing. You can make it the top four teams from each conference, make it and only have eight teams out of 32, make it. And that makes every single regular season game important yeah. because you never know that you're, if you're going to need that game in April, uh, if you're resting in November or whatever it may be. Four seems a little bit much because eight out of 32, I believe would be the lowest percent out of any of the uh, four major sports for playoff teams. Yeah. I think six becomes a pretty solid option as well, where you have two teams or three teams or four teams, whatever it is, get a buy in the first round. However, that gets a little interesting because of, you know, extended rest period in the NBA when it comes down to it. And you're having, you know, there's one and two seeds wait two, three weeks before they get to play a game because the series are so damn long in the NBA. Or you just go back to the normal eight. And what you do is maybe you shorten the first or second playoff series is to five games. You make those games more intense and more mean more before you get to those seven game series is say in the conference finals and the, the NBA finals. It's kind of just like how the MLB does it where they have shorter series at the start 
And the more that you play and the more that you win, the longer series you get. Like how they used to do it. Yeah. I I like it. I like it. You know, as a Warriors fan, especially, we know the years we're not going to compete. This year, even if we we do somehow get the seven or even the nine and win win or two play-in games, uh, we're not going anywhere, man. I mean, obviously, if everyone's healthy, it changes things. Warriors are always dangerous, but they're not one of those top four teams competing for the championship this year. We talked about those last week. Uh, So I get it, and I wouldn't be upset. Yeah, yeah. The Warriors are in a weird spot because of we're just not healthy. I think if we're healthy, we have a legitimate shot at the title whenever and whoever we're playing, I think we'd be fine in a seven-game series, but we're just not healthy this year. And so when it comes down to it, I think that you have to be real with their title chances. Uh, But also, looking away from the regular season as far as the NBA's issues, uh, and more specifically at the All-Star game and the dunk contest, because... First off, I'll talk about the skills challenge. Nobody wanted to watch that. It was the two bums of the Atenecumpos. You had the rookies yeah. and the jazz. And nobody cared to watch I it. I didn't it watch it. I don't even know who won. The entire way through. I have no <laughs> clue either. The three-point contest is always going to be the three-point contest. I think they do a decent job in that because it's not no names in that. There's some decently mm. big players. But the dunk contest has just gotten so watered down now at this point. Uh, we're... Mac McClung, who to the general fan was a nobody. I know a lot of people who actually watch basketball and stuff that of course know who Mac McClung is because he he was known for this crazy athleticism in high school. Uh, But you look at Trey Murphy, you look at Jericho Sims and you look at KJ Martin and you think, are these guys really the guys I want to watch on a Saturday night for the dunk contest? Something that used to be like the biggest event of the year for basketball and even just back in 2016 when we had Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon doing it, those weren't top-name players in the NBA, but we knew that those dudes could dunk like crazy, and we just don't see that anymore in in the NBA. So do you think that they maybe have to up the prize money for it? I know Jaw said that he'd do it if he got a billion likes on Instagram, uh, which is fucking ridiculous anyways. Yeah. How do they fix the all-star game as well too, because we saw it was just one-on-one, you know, guys going at it the whole time. Uh, and it wasn't even competitive. So it was just, yeah. you know, guys making shots, taking layups, running past each other, no defense at all. It was stupid for most of the time. So what do you think should happen for the dunk contest and the yeah. all-star game and just the other things on all-star game well, uh, weekend? I wanted to mention, I, I agree. The three point contest is a classic, you know, you just got to hope, good shooters fall on on the right years to fill in the gaps and you know how i feel about the rising stars it's fine so the dunk contest i think it's got to start with the judges you know i have no problem with hall of famers judging but there's got to be some kind of change to the point system we saw you know uh, dunks that weren't very good getting getting 48 out of 50 and part of that i think ruins it my recommendation would be each rising star team votes on one guy to represent their squad out of the four. And that guy has to do it. That's my recommendation for the dunk contest. You want to do dunk contest or you want me to keep going? Keep on going. Okay. So the all-star game, it was just like Mike Malone said, it was probably the worst game I've ever seen in my life. You got to make it meaningful somehow. Obviously they don't care about the money incentive anymore. So maybe some kind of home court advantage for the winner would be a start. And bringing back the tournament-based system, if you had a tournament-based system based on division, 
you know, the Pacific Atlantic uh, or or maybe captain's boat. You Kinda have four captains. Like hockey does it. Two. Yeah, like like how hockey does it uh, instead of conference, you know, um, because there's going to be no defense played until that one guy goes for a steal in the fourth quarter because he wants the MVP. And then everyone starts playing a little bit of defense. But that's it. There's got to be some kind of incentive other than money because these guys obviously don't care right now. The other yeah. thing I've heard is the 1v1 tournament. It's not a bad idea, but here are the problems. The stars are going to be less likely to do it because they don't want to get embarrassed. You know, there was a Spencer Dinwiddie interview a couple of days ago. He said he thinks out of the 100 guys that would possibly enter, he's probably one of the better at 1v1s. Mm-hmm. And he he thinks that, you know, people are going to expect Embiid versus Jokic, Giannis versus Braun, those kind of stuff. But nobody realizes the championship's going to be like Dinwiddie versus Justin Holiday. You know, it's it's not going to be what people think. So you got to combine everything a little bit, I think. Maybe do a tournament style. Yeah, I think it's a pretty interesting discussion because I think, honestly, when it comes down to it, the players just have to take it more seriously and realize what they what they hold as far as like kids futures and the people that are watching and stuff like that. Cause I remember as a kid, just watching like all-star weekend was like such a huge thing. And I got so pumped for it every single year because we got to see all these players, you know, playing in a somewhat competitive game. The dunk contest was such a big deal Uh, for the dunk contest. I think maybe you add more prize money or something incentivized to the team or, or whatever it may be, because it just isn't enough. I think the players need to take more initiative though. That's the main thing I'm getting at is that they just don't care. And I don't see mm. why they don't care. I know it's not. Cause it's not cool, Kyle. That's, that's the, the era of these players. They yeah, want to be but cool. It's, it's like, fuck man. Like do something for your fucking league. I know <laughs> these dudes donate money, whatever it is, but they just need to realize that they are playing basketball for a living they're not doing the hard stuff in life they play fucking basketball and when they get a chance to show out for their city or show out for their fans that love them and they just completely ignore them to do the dunk contest or anything like that it's not cool you know so go do something because vince carter winning the dunk contest jason richardson winning the dunk contest in the early 2000s were very very cool moments, and the NBA is not going to have any, many more moments like that if they keep having these random players do it. Uh, All-Star game, I think you made an interesting point with the one-on-one. That's something mm-hmm. I was going to talk about. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't really know how they make it super, super competitive because these players, again, they don't want to put an effort. Uh, a lot of them don't even want to play in the game at that point. And there's a very few amount of players that like feel like they enjoy it or – you know, do anything for it. So if they're not going to ha- enjoy it, just fucking take it out, you know? Uh, but if there's something that they got to do, I think one-on-ones would be interesting. Uh, I know it ends up probably being a lot of these smaller guards that are tough, but maybe you do it position wise where you have these, you know, five or six guys from each position and they play one-on-one to five or 10, whatever it is. And you know, you do that for three hours and you get through that and you, you see all these these great hoopers at each position. But I don't know. They're in a tough spot as far as this goes, if I'm Adam Silver, because if you just say take it more seriously to the players, that's not going to happen. You have to do money for it. All these dudes are money driven. But I just think they're getting paid enough already at yeah. that point. But the NBA makes a ton of money, so maybe they could do it. 
We hope. Yeah, it's just it's not a good spot. All right, let's move on to halftime. To halftime. Okay, we'll start off halftime with something interesting here. I I didn't have it originally here, but I feel like we have to talk about it. The USFL is another league that's going to compete with the XFL during the spring, and they had their first year player draft. They're going after the guys who they think aren't going to get drafted in the NFL, which makes this really interesting. If you remember. Guys like Jim Kelly, when the first USFL, that he didn't want to go to Buffalo. He said it was too cold. I'm from Miami. You know, well, guess what? The Houston Roughnecks are offering me $30 million to go play for them. I'm going to go play in the warm weather. So I don't know if it'll ever get that far again, but it's just something to keep in mind. So I want to talk about some of the players that got taken here because I'm sure you know some of these guys. The number one pick was the Michigan Panthers. You probably don't know him. Jarrett Horst, a tackle for Michigan State. They wanted to keep him in the state of Michigan. And uh, that alone could probably keep him from, uh, you know, getting picked in the seventh round. Cause he probably wouldn't have already uh, the number two pick Pittsburgh Maulers, Lindsey Scott, Jr. The quarterback from incarnate word. If you remember watching this game incarnate word versus um, I think it was one of the North Dakotas. He was just putting on an absolute show, 600 yards, seven touchdowns. And I'm happy we're going to get to watch him because he is one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. And I, I figured he wouldn't get an NFL shot right away. So now we get to watch him on TV. I'm excited. Uh, and then the third pick after that, Houston Gamblers, Chase Bryce, the quarterback from App State. If you remember, he was at Clemson. He was Trevor Lawrence. So these are all college players, right? Yeah, it's it's first-year player, the college draft for the hmm. USFL. Yeah, they're trying to get the, the guys who are going to hopefully get picked up by the NFL at some point. And you know, because the XFL is kind of the castaway guys. USFL mm-hmm. is trying to go the young route. So I like it. Um, we'll move on to some of the other rounds, see if we have any notable players here. Tanner Morgan, quarterback from Minnesota, was drafted. Adrian Martinez, quarterback from Kansas State, yep. in the second round. Uh, in the third round, we had Malik Cunningham, quarterback from Louisville. Very fast, dude. Uh, in the fourth round, we had... Well, I guess no one in the fourth round that I knew. And uh, yeah, that, that seems to be about it from the notable guys. But you get the point. It's it's the guys who aren't going to get a shot in the NFL right away. And I really like it. I thought we should probably talk about this, at least for a little bit. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, the next thing in halftime is going to be a week one recap of college baseball. And Good weekend. It was a great weekend. We're excited with college baseball. So I figured we'd talk a little bit about the top 10 teams this week. Number one, it's LSU, 3-0. and They swept Western Michigan. Dylan Cruz, probably the number one player in college baseball right now, hit 300 and a homer, two ribbies in his first series. So that's a guy we're going to be watching. Stanford, number two, 2-1. Two and one. They win the series against Fullerton. Good job, Kyle. Um, yeah, how about that uh, ninth inning comeback on Sunday? That was that, pretty crazy. That was ridiculous, man. Uh, Stanford is going to be scoring a whole lot of runs this year. And yeah. I'm proud to have even won one of those games because Stanford kicked the crap out of us last year. Uh, number three was Tennessee, falling a spot, going one and two. They played in a little tournament, lost to Arizona and then Grand Canyon. Uh, Chase yeah. Dolander, the number one pitcher in the nation, uh, possibly top five pick. Seven Ks, only gave up two runs, but got the loss to Arizona. And we know Arizona is a great school, but uh, not a great start for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, some Southern teams, Ole Miss, 
Texas A&M, Wake Forest, and Florida all swept their first series. They're uh, they're ranked four through seven, undefeated. Uh, number eight team, TCU, is two and one. They beat Vandy and Arkansas, who are ranked in the top yeah. ten, but lost to Missouri. Um, so I don't know how to feel about that. I just found out Hanson's not playing there. He transferred to BYU. Yep, both the Hansons are at BYU. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Arkansas, two and one, uh, getting played in that same tournament as everyone. And Vandy, the last team, 10, two and one. Um, Enrique Bradfield Jr., I wanted to just mention, he hit one for 11 in that first weekend. So a guy who was looking like a top 10 pick because of his speed, if he can't hit this year, that's a big problem. Yeah. Hopefully it's uh, just a week one jitters type of course, thing. But, and that's very possible. And they're it's also going now. against pretty pretty good competition that first week. So yeah. maybe just a, a slow start there, but we'll see. We'll see. The last thing in halftime, little off topic, but I mentioned a couple of uh I you saw know, this on our spreadsheet and I did I didn't I didn't know what this was. Well, there's a big announcement from EA Sports on Twitter yesterday. It was saying Madden 24 will be our make or break game. They're going to change everything. If it doesn't work, then they're screwed. But they've heard the complaints from everyone, and they're trying to make it a complete game, not a copy and paste. And I'm down for this. 100% down for this. I want a new game. We need a new game. We're playing Madden 18 Part 5 right now. Yeah. Watch there be no ultimate team. (laughs) That'd be ridiculous. I mean, how else are they going to make money though? Right. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. They need microtransactions somewhere or another, but I I don't even care if franchise is looks weird, but it's a completely new game. I'd be okay with it. We've been playing the same franchise mode since Madden 25. They still have the same, same uh, relocation cities and uniforms since nine years ago. So I'm down for this make or break. Maybe that means 2k will come make a football game, but, uh, you know, whatever gives us uh, some better gameplay. I'm down for it. Yeah, I'm down for it as well. Yeah, and that's the end of halftime. All righty, welcome back from halftime. Starting off the second half off with some more football. We got to talk Eric Bieniemy. Is he drunk? Is he high? Is he Or is he <laughs> on to something, leaving Kansas City and going to Washington, even though it is the exact same role? What does EB see here? Or is he... I don't even know. What do you got? Yeah, well, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say it was a little crazy, but I think there's two reasonable factors here to why he did this. Number one, he wants a chance to call plays. He's not going to be able to do it with Andy Reid. Andy Reid is the master over there in Kansas City of offensive play calling. And, you know, uh, he, he understands now that he thinks this could be the gateway to a head coaching job because reason number two is Andy Reid's not going anywhere for a while. He said it after the Super Bowl when there was some, some speculation about an early retirement. And um, I think this is your chance. Maybe he knows that he won't get a head coaching job any other way. And he has to do it by going through Washington. So I'm not upset. It is a little crazy, but I'm kind of excited to see what he does with Sam Howell. Yeah, I think, uh, it's definitely pretty interesting. Uh, I think the main thing ha- would have to be credibility. Uh, so now he's going to get credit for a lot of stuff that Andy Reid usually gets credit for. So we can see yeah. him perhaps stand out there. Maybe there was some bad blood or something between him, him and Andy, and he just wanted to change something. He wanted a challenge, knowing that winning with Sam Howell might be a lot harder than Patrick Mahomes, or he sees something in Sam Howell that could lead him to be 
one of these top quarterbacks in the league and, and say, Hey, this could be the guy that I have credit for. And, mm-hmm. uh, he's obviously going to get him under his wing now at this point. And it's a great situation for Sam Howell getting to have a coach like that, who has a lot of experience in, you know, these big games and has two Super Bowl rings at this point. Uh, so I don't know if I agree with it because I think Andy Reid at at some point two three years max at this point I think for him he's he's already sixty five or whatever it is so he's mm. getting up there in age. Uh, I thought that that reason why Bianami was sticking around for so long is because he was going to be the successor and they kind of just told him that uh, and he was kind of just like you know not doing as well in the interviews as what he could have done but. Now he's in Washington. So uh, mm-hmm. I guess good for him. And uh, Kansas City's now going to have to look for an offensive coordinator. And I hope Biennemi was the thing that was pushing Andy Reid to be good because uh, that means that Kansas City lost something. And that would yeah. be good. Good for you. Yeah. Let's talk about Derek Carr. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and their fit in New York. Uh, as far as, I don't know, perhaps the city, the team, whatever it is. Yeah. Just the whole NY scheme in general. How do you think Derek Carr would fit there? I think Derek Carr makes the most sense out of all the quarterbacks. He's who we thought Sam Darnold would turn into. And let me explain. There's two kind of quarterbacks who we think can succeed in the New York market. Carr is the quiet and confident guy. He doesn't seem to be rattled by much outside of football. And football-wise, it makes even more sense because he's available right now via free agency. No trade. The meetings went well. And he's only 31. He could be like uh, the Stafford-type move, and I'm not saying we're going to win the Super Bowl. That was, I think, uh, a lot to do with the defense of the Rams. But where you know he's he's not too old to just go one and done, like a Rodgers mm-hmm. could. He could still be the franchise guy, even if this first year doesn't work out. Yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll obviously talk about Derek Carr first because that's what we put on here. But Carr is... He's a lot more level-headed than Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And I think when they see the, these two guys, they see... They see a guy like A-Rod and they see that how much influence, you know, obviously he's an all-time great. He's going to have locker room influence. And if he's batshit crazy like he's been the last few years for Green Bay, then, you know, maybe that fucks up Garrett Wilson, that fucks up Sauce Gardner, that fucks up Quinn Williams, whatever it may be. But they know Derek Carr isn't going to do that. They know that he's yeah. going to be the guy that's pushing those guys to get better. And there's been a ton of guys that we've seen in the past 10 years that Derek Carr has helped get got paid. Or, you know, a lot of people talk about how good Derek Carr was as a teammate. And I think that's why the Jets probably will end up go getting Carr instead of Rodgers. Because, uh, like you said as well, it's not just a one and done thing. He's going to be a guy that could be there for 10 years if everything mm. works out perfectly. The only thing that I'm scared of is Derek Carr being shit in cold weather because he's been terrible in cold weather his entire career. And I don't think they're building a roof over MetLife. So he's going to have to learn how to play in cold weather. Uh, But he's been so bad in it his entire career. And that's what's been his, his main thing that, that just makes him bad. And you know, every single home game that you play from November to the end of January. And if you want this team being good, you're obviously going to be playing some home games in January at that point. And at Buffalo. Yeah. Like it's, I just don't know if he can do that. I think the fit is a lot better than Aaron Rodgers would be, but would the team be better? I I just don't know. I really Mm. don't know. I think it's really tough to say. How do you think a rod would fit in New York? 
with Aaron Rodgers, I think the team will obviously be better than with Carr. And right now, I don't really have any worries with him either fitting in. It's a running joke on Jets Twitter right now that Aaron Rodgers has been criticized, watched carefully his entire career, everything he says. How is Connor Hughes going to be the one to like break his spirit? He's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> you know, the problem here is if we wait too long, we could miss out on everybody. So that's why we might have to give up a lot of draft capital if we really want him. That's the issue. But on the field, other than him being almost 10 years older than Derek Carr, that's pretty much the only issue. I kind of like uh, the idea of him trying to help out Zach Wilson, too. That's uh, Sala and Woody Johnson have both said, Zach Wilson's not done here. And if that's really true, then this is the mentor for him. It's just two years late. And it sucks that we had to watch Zach Wilson struggle so bad for two years. But uh, maybe there's a chance. Yeah, I think uh, if we look at the kind of potential directions for the Jets uh, with these two different quarterbacks, you're going to probably get the highest of the highs possibility with Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers. But you're also probably going to get the lowest of lows of possibilities with Aaron Rodgers as well, if everything Turns out to be true about him being crazy and all this stuff. With Derek Carr, I think it's pretty level-headed. I think yeah. you you see that this team isn't going to be terrible. You see that this team is probably a nine-win team at the. I was going to say you're probably worst. nine and seven with Carr on at average. the absolutely yeah. worst, and at the best, you're probably twelve and five, thirteen and four at the absolute best, and your ceiling is divisional round championship game type type thing uh turning it into super bowl is pretty damn tough i will say that be just because of mahomes and burrow and josh allen and justin herbert and trevor lawrence and they just go on and on it's gonna suck for us being in the afc for the next 10 to 15 years at least but i think their car would be pretty good in new york and i think that's that's probably the direction the jets will end up going Mm -hmm. based off of how we're seeing all these these interviews and all this stuff go I wanted to mention one more thing with Aaron Rodgers. I heard something today that could it be Green Bay's organization that's been driving him crazy? I mean, their big pickup, Christian Watson, couldn't even catch the ball until like the seventh week of the season. Could that be the reason why it went so bad? Could be. Could be. We'll see. Maybe yeah. maybe things change when he's thrown to Devontae again and Hunter Renfro <laughs> and Darren Waller. But okay. uh, let's talk baseball. Let's get into that yeah. and... We'll talk about a guy that could be in New York here in a little bit as well, too, in Brian Reynolds. He remained firm on his trade request uh, when he was interviewed at the beginning of spring training or when he reported last week at some point. Uh, It's a pretty awkward situation just kind of looking at it and seeing how a guy would want to get traded while still being in the clubhouse and interacting with all the guys from the team, uh, even though he is by far their best player. Will we see Brian Reynolds get traded before opening day or will we see that probably some point in the season or next year or will things be figured out? Unfortunately, in Major League Baseball, most of the time, the teams hold all the leverage. Pittsburgh's really bad. This guy sells them tickets and they got to make sure they get the best package possible. So probably going to be this year, but I don't think it's going to be before opening day. The team has too much on the line here to lose if they if they don't get a good package back. Yeah, the the push for trades in in the MLB is very different comparative yeah. to the the NFL and the NBA and maybe it's because the owners are more stuck up or maybe it's just because the players have less control 
uh, and power within the league. But NBA, you get you request a trade like Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant did. You get traded within the next few days. In the NFL, you see it relatively quick. The only guy that we we saw request a trade that was as big player like how Brian Reynolds is was Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel was the only one who kind of didn't get traded out of like Devontae, AJ Brown and all those guys. Uh, I don't think he gets traded. Uh, he probably won't even get traded this year, to be honest with you. That's a, that's just how these things work. Uh, might be next offseason. It, it may end up being the trade deadline this year, yeah. but he's staying in a Pirates uniform for the next couple of months at least. Unless something crazy happens and the, the Yankees or whoever it is offer a package that is unresistible. After they start off slow or something, yeah. It's got to be the perfect situation. Yeah. Other guy we got to talk about is Manny Machado, who has an opt-out from his contract with the Padres after this next season uh, and kind of just said that he's going to opt-out. Whether that means he is just blowing smoke and trying to get the Padres to, you know, push him more money because we've seen A.J. Peller not be afraid to do so to Mm. Sander Bogarts, Tatis, whoever it may be. Or could we actually see him leave San Diego and join another squad? You know, the Machado situation is a lot different because he holds all the leverage here. Unlike Brian Reynolds, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's smoke. You know, guys like Chris Rose, very respected in the community, have been saying this for a year now that he's been wanting to test the market. And I think at the very worst, Machado gets hurt and he just rides out the $150 million that the Padres already owe him. But he's seeing all these guys getting paid into their forties and Machado definitely deserves it too. I would definitely keep in mind, San Diego kind of revitalized his career off the field. He's kind of one of the most hated guys ever, like an A-Rod almost, but I'm sure he loves it there and they're going to be competing for a championship for a long time. I think he's just kind of annoyed that he sees Xander Bogarts getting paid until he's 43 and Machado's like, what the hell? I'm only getting paid until I'm 34. Come on now. I'm better than him. So I, yeah. I think that's part of the deal. And I, I don't think it's smoke. Like I said, I think he there's a very good chance he tests the market. Yeah, uh, it's pretty interesting with Manny Machado because I think that fit in San Diego is as good as it will get for, for Manny. Yeah. We saw him, like you said earlier, like the character was such a big yeah. issue for him in, in, in Baltimore. Maybe that's just because he was so immature and how young he came up as that's a big true. leaguer. He was 19, 18, 19 years yeah. old. And he was, you know the guy on those those Baltimore teams from such a young age and then going to Los Angeles and kind of just having that you know you're the shortstop of the Los Angeles Dodgers type thing and he steps on Jesus Aguilar and all that stuff happens who is now currently in a uh, I feel like we should note that yeah. little shot out there but in San Diego he just seems like this cool dude you know he's fun to watch he was very very tame over the last few years as far as you know being a dick it goes and he's just not not that guy anymore it looks like and he seems like he matured really really well uh i think he could opt out and leave i think he will opt out but i don't think he can leave i think the situation is too perfect in san diego i think the padres are definitely going to be willing to spend money especially if the season works out how they plan it where they have a long deep postseason run i think it's pretty interesting to the point what you consider a success of a season, obviously the world ser- winning the World Series is a big one. But if you just get back to the championship series and you lose there, is that yeah. considered a success in this, of a season? Because you didn't move up more. So I think if you don't make the World Series, there might be a chance that he feels like the grass is greener somewhere else. 
But I just I can't see him leaving, man. It, it's too tough. I think the situation yeah. is too good in San Diego, even if this you know the season doesn't end up being as good as it goes, as it should or could. Let's get into our layups and bold predictions because we're done and through with where's your head at. Talking layups from last week. Uh, I got mine wrong. Skyler got his right. I had Memphis minus seven and a half versus Utah on Wednesday of last week. So one of the last games that we saw. Skyler had Team Powell winning the Rising Stars. So good job to him there. Yeah. Uh, this week I have Philly minus four versus Memphis. Uh, that's the first game back from the all-star break. It's in Philly. Philly's really good at home. Memphis is not that good on the road. Uh, so give me Philly minus four. All right. I'm going to go with the Warriors plus four and a half at the Lakers in that first game back. And LeBron's still questionable. He, he hurt his hand in the all-star game. And I, I think if there's a chance LeBron's not playing five points is kind of a lot for that, that Lakers team. So yeah. I, I'm not upset with that. Yeah. Uh, as far as bull predictions goes, I didn't have one last week because I just couldn't. I, I these basketball lines are so weird to look at, especially when they're a couple days out. And so I just didn't choose anything. Skyler had Donovan Mitchell winning the All Star Game MVP. Was he was choice. on pace, man. Until Tatum started shooting like 14 shots in a row, he was on pace. Yeah, Jason Tatum went off for like 55 or whatever it was, won All-Star Game MVP. Donnie, yeah. I think, had 40, though. Yeah. Uh, this week, I'm also not picking a bold prediction. I'm keeping my money in my pocket this week uh, because I know that's probably the safest place for it. Mm. Uh, my bold prediction, I'm also going with a, a basketball game. First game back on Thursday, I'm going to take the Nuggets to beat the Cavs on the road. That's plus 118. I think that... Cleveland, the past couple games, and I know there's been a long break in between, but the past couple Cleveland games, I've watched a lot of turnovers against some some average Eastern Conference teams, and you can't get away with that with Denver. So if Denver can win the turnover battle, they should win this game. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for episode 128. Just under an hour, it looks like, at this yeah. point. Uh, so a pretty solid episode. Uh, talked about a lot of things, of course. Uh, next week we will be on the last day of February. So March Eve. Uh, and I think we're kind of just going to be going over a lot of the same things as far as stuff that happened in the four days of the NBA since they came back. Aaron Rodgers will be coming out of the darkness. He will be coming out of the darkness here in a few days. Uh, maybe Derek Carr signs. I don't think he will just because of how much time he has to do so yeah maybe some mlb light news i don't think we're gonna see anything crazy over this next week uh unfortunately yeah we'll yeah. probably see some some bad injury for somebody mm-hmm. uh but yeah we're in the dog days of february i'll just little, say that little world baseball classic preview maybe if we have perhaps time. perhaps we could <laughs> and then i think the week after that is free agency preview for the nfl nice because the nice. legal tampering period starts on the 13th and we do an episode on the 14th so we want to do it the week before that so yeah. march 7th will probably be the day for that all right well let's go team usa man and we'll be back yeah we'll be back go stanford <laughs>